this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talked to Paul Holden, longtime board member of Cash Anglers. We talked about the best fishing spots in Cash Valley, fishing education in the classroom, and the value of river access. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Highlander Podcast. This is Nate, and I'm with Chase. Hey, everybody. And today we have Paul Holden, a board of directors member from Cash Anglers and Fly Fisherman Extraordinaire. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm, I'm really excited about this, especially I just got my pair of, of fishing boots. I'm, I'm ready to take out next week. Some Great. Sims, Sims tributary boots. Yeah. I'm excited. So excited rubber, to dig into this. Soul, rubber soles. That's right. Yeah. First of all, just wanted to learn a little bit more about what Cash Anglers is and your role with the organization, when it started, mission goals, all of that. So Cash Anglers is the Northern Utah chapter of Trout Unlimited. And Trout Unlimited is a national cold water conservation organization. We have about 500 chapters across the country. I think there's uh, six to eight chapters in Utah, kind of spanning from Cache Valley here all the way down to St. George now. So uh, we, we try to promote cold water fishing, trout fishing. We, we do conservation work, protection types of work. So in addition, in addition to the, the chapter, Cache Anglers, there's also some Trout Unlimited biologists that work full time for Trout Unlimited in the state that are, are doing a lot of things for conservation in whatever uh, one of them res- resides in Logan, Jim Dorito. So Ca- Trout Unlimited has a pretty big uh, footprint in Utah, and the chapters are the thing, like Cash Anglers has about 200 members. Now, we'd like to have more than 10 of us that were active, so those of you that hear this, we have lots of things to do. When did the, the group start? Were you involved from the beginning? How, how long has it been around here in Cash Valley? Well, Cash Anglers is one of the first chapters in Utah. I think the second one in Utah that actually got started, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was back in the 70s. Uh, several people locally that are still here got it going, and um, it's been going ever since, and it kind of goes up and down a little bit depending on if we have enough volunteers to really get things going. It'll fade off as some of us pass away or whatever, and then get picked up as other people pick it up. And this is very typical of all the TU chapters across the country. It's the same with any of these these types of volunteer organizations, that you get a few people that want to do things, and it goes, and then when they kind of back away, other people have to step up, and sometimes it takes a while. You mentioned a little bit kind of the state of the membership. What would you say the the state of of the group is right now and and some of your goals and what you're working on here in Cache Valley in the region? Well, Cache Anglers has maybe a small portion of the real fishing community in Cache Valley. It's kind of interesting. I wish more people that fished would become members and get involved. But, you know, we have a fairly active group of 10 or 15 people, and sometimes in some events they'll go up. And, and we're always looking for younger people because what happens with Child Unlimited and other uh, nonprofits like this is a lot of older people tend to be the ones doing things, and the younger people are sometimes turned off because we're just a bunch of old graybeards or whatever. So we need to get some younger people involved 
and involved in, in our organization in uh, officer positions and whatever. And also women. There's a big push within Trout Unlimited to bring women in. We have a number of women in this valley that are great fly fishermen, say. But we've got to get them involved in the organization. Maybe we can pull in some more. So, I mean, we're here, we're active, we're doing lots of things we can talk about, but we could do more if we had more people volunteering. It's not money, it's time. I wanted to get into what, what are the, the best places to fish here locally? What are the opportunities, the, the resources that we have? What makes Cache Valley a great place to go fishing? Well, obviously the Logan River is our primary source. Now that the flows are coming down, you can actually get in it without being swept away maybe. But uh, the Blacksmith Fork is the other essentially blue ribbon stream that we have. So we're really lucky that we have two streams and Blacksmith Fork comes down earlier. It's not as much of a snowmelt stream as the Logan is, so you can get in and fish it much sooner in the year. And uh, so those are our primary stream fishing opportunities and then the tributaries of the Logan. So you have a lot of opportunities, and for people starting out, you've got the, the reservoirs, first dam, second dam, third dam on the Logan River, and these are stocked. But the Division of Wildlife in Utah no longer stocks the rivers. We have wild reproducing the native Bear River cutthroat trout in the Logan River and some in the Blacksmith Fork, and wild brown trout, especially in both of the streams. So we're kind of lucky the streams are self-sustaining. We also have some you know, flat water things like Hiram Reservoir and a, and a little place over in Wellsville called Wellsville Pond that a lot of people don't know about, but it's a great kids fishing area. Of course, a lot of our older members go there too because it's a great fishing area. So you know, we have some of these flat water opportunities. And then the other thing I'll just mention is you know, we're really close to a lot of our opportunities in Idaho and in Wyoming, and we have a lot of people in this valley that go on up to Montana, or the Henry's Fork, say, river in Idaho. It's, you know, two, three, four hour drives, and we're right in the heart of a lot of great trout fishing. Can, can you speak a little bit more to what it means for a river to be a, a blue ribbon river or, or stream? What, what does that mean, and why is that significant here to the region? Well, in theory, it should mean that the state gives it a little more emphasis. And, and, you know, I did say in theory, but the Logan is a very important stream. That one thing that the, the, the Trout Unlimited and Cash Anglers and the state of Utah were trying to bring back the native fish. And the native fish up here was the Bear River Cutthroat and the Logan system, Blacksmith Fork, say, down to the Weaver. And then in the Bear River system that goes into uh, Idaho and Wyoming and starts actually in the Uinta Mountains. So th that's a big, been a big focus for cash anglers working with Utah State University and uh, the Forest Service and the Division of Wildlife on rehabilitating you know, the mainstream. We've done some work on the last few years is the right hand fork of the Logan. So. We're trying to bring back the natives, and this is a push by, like I said, all of these agencies working together. So I think that's one reason that Logan is a, is a blue ribbon stream. It is, has probably the number one population of Bear River cutthroat in existence, period. So it's important from that standpoint, but it's also great fishing. And I think that's why it's a blue ribbon stream. And so reproducing wild fish 
that's another reason. So these are all really good things. It doesn't have to be stocked. So it's really great. And the Blacksmith Fork is really sitting the same way. Can you speak a little bit to really the opportunities, the, the role you play, getting your hands dirty and taking care of the rivers and, and, and the fish in those rivers? I know you do quite a bit uh, around education, around helping on the infrastructure side of things with the river, around really strengthening the populations of, of certain native fish. Can you speak to some of those getting your hands dirty type roles that you play? Yeah, well, I just mentioned uh, the Logan River, the right-hand fork of the Logan River. So we've been involved with the other groups for quite a long time in doing things on the Logan. And a little bit on the Blacksmith Fork. People may not know, but a few years ago, cash anglers sort of lobbied the Division of Wildlife to allow more brown trout to be taken out of the Blacksmith Fork, which has a lot of small trout in it, and we were trying to get more bigger fish. So we work with these agencies in doing things like that. And then, you know, we, we do a number of other things to kind of promote this cold water uh, idea that we want to preserve and protect cold water resources. And one of the big things we're doing in the grade schools and in Logan High, in the wintertime from January through about May, we have something called Trout in the Classroom. And Trout in the Classroom is Cash Anglers pays for and puts a 50-gallon aquarium in a classroom. And in January, through the Division of Wildlife, we bring trout eggs, this rainbow trout eggs, put them in the aquarium, and the students and the teachers raise the fish up, and then we stock them in Wellsville Pond in May, and then we'll take the kids fishing. Many of them have never fished before. We'll, we'll go spin fishing with them in Wellsville Pond, and someone will catch a fish, whatever. So trout in the classroom is a big thing we do to kind of promote fishing and trout in this valley. Um, we also have a kids fly fishing camp that Chase attended a few years ago and that's next week actually where we take kids from about 10 to 15 years old in conjunction with Stokes Nature Center and take them out and show them uh, stream ecology on the Blacksmith Fork River, teach them how to cast and tie flies and tie knots, and then we take them fishing in a secret spot where they catch lots of big fish. <laughs> so, uh, again, we're promoting the idea, trying to get young people involved. Now, if we had more help, the other thing we'd love to do is more ladies' programs and, and veterans' programs. And a lot of this comes down to we have 200 members. We have 10 of us that are very active. If we had 25 and some of them were veterans, we could do all kinds of neat things here. So what, uh, I appreciate some of that because I'm not a great fly fisherman. I was a spin fisher as a kid and the only place I could ever catch them was at farms. So what, there's kind of an intimidation factor, I think, for maybe someone like me who's interested, but doesn't, is kind of intimidated to join you graybeards as you said out there in the water what how can being involved or or someone who's maybe interested in becoming more of a fisherman not necessarily like the educational programs you're doing for the kids but what can i do or someone like myself you know we get this asked this all the time tell you the truth there's a lot of older people i shouldn't say old you're not old but people that are no longer kids yeah to some of us anyway that would love to get into this. And part of this is the time and the effort 
to do some things. And we, we've occasionally like rented the football practice stadium over here in the middle of the winter and had casting and had casting instructors. But then the soccer teams took that over, so that, we, we lost that venue. So, uh, and again, it comes down to volunteers. If we had enough people, we could do these things. But as it is, the people that are very active start to get burned out because of the things we already are doing. You know, we put a kiosk up on the Temple Fork last year. Several, like five of us probably spent a week in the evenings putting this a big sign up to explain how important Temple Fork is. And we have another one on the right-hand fork we may be putting up either this year or next year. And so we, we have a lot of things going on. You know, trying the classroom takes time. The kids' fly fishing camp takes time. So uh, we also have a fairly active fishing program. If you want to go fishing with, with us, we have a group that goes fishing every couple, three weeks someplace, and you can come along and learn about that place. And learn from the people that are there, you know. So we need we need to do more if we had the the manpower to do it. So if I know nothing about fishing, don't even know Paul, I can still get involved and sure you can. And that's the thing. It's interesting. We had a gentleman join us in May this year, whose whose daughter is one of the assistant ladies basketball coaches here at USU. And he was here because she was going to have a baby soon, and he wanted to be here for that. But he also wanted to learn how to go fishing. So he came and started helping us, and we put him to work. The first, he was here for trout in the classroom, uh, whatever, and he helped us on some other projects, and then he went fishing with several of us. So he learned a little bit about the fishing here. So we, we kind of, hopefully it paid off for him too. That's great. We talked a little bit about this off air, and I was really interested in it because I I haven't thought too much about it. But you talked about the opportunity for more urban fishing in in Logan specifically, utilizing section of the Logan River running right through downtown Logan. Uh, can you speak more to that as a growing opportunity here locally? Yeah, it's really great to see Logan City taking an interest in the Logan River now. Not seeing is it just a, a flood problem. So they're, they're spending a lot of time and money now in, in rehabilitating the Logan, partly because of flood control, but also in including elements that are going to improve fishing. We have the opportunity to be the number one urban fishery in this state and perhaps a good share of the West with that Logan River running right through the center of town. And we really don't push it and we've almost pushed people away from it in the past so hopefully uh, Logan and and the citizens of Logan will see that as a real opportunity and one of the other things is we have a great stream in the Blackton Fork River that flows through a portion of the valley unfortunately in many years it's dry in the valley because the water is all taken out for irrigation so there's a real opportunity here to try to get some sort of a minimum flow in the Blacksmith Fork and turn that into a wonderful, wonderful valley or urban type fishery that would really be better than the Logan in some ways in the sense that it's not surrounded by homes yet. So uh, 
Yeah, and this would mean working with with a lot of the the farmers and ranches in the valley and uh, getting flows that we could leave in the river and uh, getting access. Cash anglers would love to do all of those kinds of things. What does that collaboration look like? What needs to happen for an urban fishery to happen in Logan? Because I think, as we talked about education and awareness of your organization, of the sport in general, for people to be able to see it more frequently in their life and be surrounded by it would do wonders, I imagine, for for the sport. And to, to have people participating in the downtown area, in Logan, I think would do a lot just to, to, to grow the sport in general. So what needs to happen specifically for that to take place in Logan? Well, I don't really know. I think part of this is if more people fished it and other mm. people saw them there and being somewhat successful, say, the, the, the river in the, in the city has been channelized, which means it's not easy to get into or out of without being swept downstream. <laughs> So what we're seeing more and more now is some, the, the rehabilitation, instead of just armoring the sides with big rocks, as they did a few years ago, we're pulling those away and making it more of a natural river, which means now it's gonna have shallow areas and deep areas, and it's gonna be a more fishable stream. So as we hopefully convert the Logan River from a rock-sided canal to a real river, and we can't do that everywhere because we have houses right up to it. But we can do that in a number of places, and that's what's happening down in the, in the, near the golf course, you know, in the lower part of the Logan now. And this is where Logan City is, is putting an effort in there. It's great that you brought up access and that being, I mean, that can be a, a limiting factor to participation in the sport. It's nice to hear that Logan is committing to to that infrastructure, at least it seems like it in that in that area to provide greater access, because that seems like the key to increased participation. Sure, that's a lot of it. It's kind of hard to get in. And one of the other things that cash anglers have been involved in the last few years is some supporting what's called the Utah Stream Access Coalition, which is it has a couple of suits in the Supreme Court right now. We're waiting to get settled for that the. the the public the rivers of Utah, or the rivers of Utah, were public. But they haven't been for many, many, many years. And now this has come out in the last 10 years or so with some suits, and it's in the Supreme Court, and they're having a hard time making decisions because of the way things have been for many years. But so far, every ruling has supported the stance that rivers in the state of Utah are public waters. So hopefully that will get resolved, and that might help a little bit with access. Not that you're going to walk down somebody's backyard to get the stream. You'll never do that, and we never want to do that. But if you can get in the stream, you should be able to walk down it. But if it's a deep rock line channel, it's hard to do that. Is there an advocate for, for this type of work on the inside, at the county level, city level? Who are you working mostly to try to make these changes a reality. Is this Parks and, Parks and Rec? Which, which group are you, you know, interfacing we, with? We're not really working. We're involved in the committee that Logan set up mm. for rehabilitation of the, of the river. And so we have a couple members on that. And Jim Dorito, the TU biologist is here in Logan, is on that committee. So that's sort of our involvement. In other words, we're not out protesting or whatever. We're working within the channels that are there. Oh, that's great. It's nice to hear everything that you're you're fighting for and pushing for. It's also interesting to me 
the different levels, the different circles that you have to play in both local government up to state and federal and, and being aware of, of all of those issues that affect people who in the fishing community. So can you speak a little bit more to, to the education you provide? That's how I was first introduced to cash anglers and had a great experience. Um, I'm glad that you let me in, even though it was probably a, a kid's education session. Um, I thought it was, it was great. It was a great introduction for me, um, being, you know, seeing fishing as a little daunting for me at that time, but to be able to go in and learn about the, the different insects, the different hatching patterns, when to fish the river, when to not was really beneficial. Can you talk about some of the different educational opportunities, different classes that you offer? I know there's a fly, fly rod building We've class. done a number of things over the years, and they kind of ebb and flow with the people we have and their interests. So the kids' fly fishing camp is something that's been going on for eight years, ten years, I'm not even sure. Um, and that's for kids essentially 10 to 15 years old or whatever. Uh, the Trout in the Classroom has been going on for about eight years, I think, now or something. We had nine schools this year. And... Um, so that's an edu obvious educational opportunity there. Um, rod building was going on in the winter for a few years because we have several members that fairly recently joined or whatever or became active, really, and said, hey, I'd like to do this. And one of the guys had the equipment and the room to do it in his place in Smithfield, so they started doing it. You know, and then this past winter, we didn't do it. And during the rod building, we also did some fly tying. We, uh, at Free Fishing Day, we have a kids fly tying thing down at Willow Park. So we're My daughters love kids. that, by the way. It's yeah. one of their favorite things to do. Yeah, that's great. And it's, I mean, again, the opportunities we have, we've done several ladies' nights at Sportsman's Warehouse where we'll have two or three guys go down and tie flies and with the ladies that come in and want to do that, you know. so. We have a number of opportunities, things like that, that we try to do to, during the course of the year, and I'm probably forgetting some of them. That uh, and they're not big events, but if we're asked to do something and we have the time and the volunteers, we'll, we'll do it. We've had some fly casting options, you know, like Ladies Fly Casting Day, or anyone want to come and learn how to fly cast. We're down at Willow Park for the, you know, Saturday morning or whatever. And, and we could do more of those things. A lot of this is finding the, the best venues to do them in, especially casting. We should have touched the, on this at the beginning, but I'm curious to learn more about what drew you to fishing and how long have, how long have you been fishing? What drew you to the sport? I'd love to hear about that. Well, I grew up in the Midwest in Wisconsin, and I started fishing before I could remember because my dad fished whatever and uh, so I started fishing again with most of us with a spinning rod or whatever very early and picked up a fly rod probably in high school and then kind of on and off and I still fish with, with spinning gear at times and we were just back in Wisconsin fishing on the Mississippi River so I don't fly fish there I maybe should but I don't so uh, I think fishing has just been in my family I go to a family reunion in Wisconsin, and, and uh, we'll spend every day, part of it, the guys at least, fishing, and my wife loves to fish there, and my kids do. Then I go to a family reunion here in Utah, and we're out 
with some of the nephews and brother-in-laws and whatever fishing for Colorado cutthroat trout this past week. So fishing has just been in my blood since a very early age. What is it about fishing that keeps you coming back? You know, it's probably a combination of uh, hopefully being successful at something, <laughs> for one, but also sort of the, the enjoyment of being out. And I say that I'm also somewhat of a hunter, that even though I hike, I don't do the kind of hiking that I, during the rest of the year that I tend to do when I hunt. I don't go and float a river just to float a river. I go to fish, and in the meantime, I'm floating the river, say, and seeing things that people that aren't fishing don't see. So it's a combination of seeing things being, I t I'm lucky enough, I, I go fishing in Alaska, some great places in Alaska. I go fishing in the wintertime down in the, the Caribbean or in the, what's called flats fishing, Belize, Mexico, the Bahamas. So I, I feel lucky I'm able to do this and this is, gets me to other places. That's a great excuse to go to a lot of really interesting, beautiful places. Well, it is, and it's, it ties in. And so it's not just the fishing, and it's not just the traveling, say. It's that combination. That's fantastic. Yeah. Appreciate you being here with us, Paul. Appreciate you having me. So if someone has heard this, is inspired to help and join in, how can they reach out and get involved with Cash Anglers? Well, Cash Anglers has a Facebook page, Cash Anglers. We also have a website. I won't say either one is kept up very well, so we could definitely use some young people that are into, into these things. But um, during the summer, people are pretty strung out, so we don't have very many re meetings. But we'll probably start some meetings in September through the winter months. We try to have monthly meetings. And, but if they really want to be a member, they can, they can uh, contact several of us through the website or, or, or uh, we have an email list. You get on that email list and then you get notifications of our meetings, of our various events going on, asking for volunteer help and come and join in. The way to officially join Cash Anglers is to join Trout Unlimited. And once you join, and if your zip code is in this area, you will automatically be put in Cash Anglers, although you can ask to be put in this chapter. So that's the official way to join. But you don't have to be a Trout Unlimited member to come and join in. Great. Appreciate it. Uh, Paul Holden with Cash Anglers. And again, that website is cashanglers.com, or you can find them on Facebook by searching for Cash Anglers. Great. Appreciate it. Get out Thank and you. go fishing. Yeah. Well, I have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here with us. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Yeah.